Yep. Okay. Talk. Say something. Hello. I'm talking. You're talking. <laughs> I mean, I think I've been. <laughs> All right. Are you done? Well, I'm just trying to like overkill it a bit. I got you. <clears throat> All right. Um, I'm good. You good? Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Five Report, the podcast that did not ask how big the room is. We said we wanted to cast Fireball. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter here. All right, so Peter, what are we watching? Um, so I've watched a little bit more of The Witcher, but um, I don't think I'm far enough in it to give like a bigger critique of it yet. Like, cool, because I haven't watched anything. Five yet, episodes. So. Okay, you've only watched the pilot. I've only right? watched oh, the pilot. Man. I don't know how you stop at that point, but <sighs> don't look. It, look, man, life has yeah. seriously gotten in the way in terms of like me getting the TV to myself to watch the show. But yeah. I have this cool shift in my work schedule coming, which is going to allow me to stay up later in the evening when everyone goes to bed. Okay. So my plan is to watch The Witcher. My plan is to watch you. I actually have a uh, <laughs> a, a watch right. list going for those nights. So, yeah, go ahead. Um, the Witcher is an interesting one because there's there's aspects of the show that I'm that really frustrate me. But then... Once, once, like, I'll come up to something that kind of I find frustrating, there's also, then there'll be, like, a really good episode or, like, something really cool will happen that'll bring me back in. So it's kind of an interesting one. I still like this show a lot overall, but it's kind of those, it's one of those things where I'm excited for you to finish because I want to talk about it because it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's weird. Like, it's not, like, I, I love it and hate it at the same time, right. I guess. Well, so for our listening audience, then, <laughs> for our listening audience, yeah. the uh, Witcher review will be coming. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, otherwise, I've actually been watching a lot of another Netflix show, which is uh, Skin Wars. Have you watched this, or do you know, are you familiar with this at all? Um, I, no. Okay, so. Wait, is this a tattoo one? No, it's actually a body painting competition show, oh, so okay. it's every episode it's like a competitive reality show where all the uh all the participants uh make like different body painting works of art and uh it gets judged and whoever goes to the end wins i actually just finished the show earlier today <laughs> we've been watching it at work actually which has kind of been kind of cool but i've been getting really into it it's actually you and your work watching yeah i don't <laughs> Um, did you ever watch uh, the sci-fi original series Face Off? Yeah, I loved all. I didn't watch all of it, but I loved Face Off. <laughs> uh, so Skin Wars is almost um, it's almost the exact same show as Face Off. It's just specifically posts or focuses on body painting. Yeah, of course. But, um, I still think I like Face Off better, and I think because of the kind of show Face Off is, I don't know if it's just it appeals more to my aesthetics, but I think Face Off overall, I saw a lot. A better artwork I would almost want to say but overall like Skin Wars is like a really good time if you like Face Off or kind of I mean probably if, even if you like like Project Runway or any of those like competitive like artistic reality shows like this is definitely like a really yeah. fun one to watch so yeah All right. that's pretty much that's it pretty much you're watching right now, yeah all right I actually got a chance to I watched a lot of stuff unfortunately none of them were The Witcher um <laughs> So first off, let's get this out of the way. Uh, Golden Globes were this past mm -hmm. uh, this past weekend. Um, the 
notable things that I'm really pleased with. First off, um, this, there were a lot of things that I was expecting to win. Um, and then the rest of it, I was like, just like hoping I was kind of bummed that Todd Phillips did not win for best director for Joker. That's okay. Um, and then, uh, but Brad Pitt won supporting actor for once upon a time in Hollywood. Awesome. The movie's great. Once upon a time in Hollywood won best comedy or musical. Awesome. I'm so excited for that. Uh, Tarantino, um, won best writing for once upon a time in Hollywood. Awesome. Um, Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor for The Joker. I don't yeah. know if anyone didn't see that coming. What was interesting about that is uh, the uh, I think it was Kate Blanchett who came out to introduce the movie, and she talked about uh, the movie itself, and then said, and then as an actor. You, we get to see one of the most incredible like performances ever given by an actor in their <laughs> lifetime by yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. And she said it when she did it. The room erupted. And then they showed the brief clip that they aired, you know, for the movie. And then when they were doing that category, and they were doing all the actors in the category, when they got to Joaquin Phoenix, the room erupted in cheers, and there hadn't even been an award given yet. So it was just like... Uh, if you don't give it to Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of people in this room bummed. Yeah. So good for him. I think it's fantastic that he wins because um, just, look, comic book movies are always going to win and be nominated for special effects and visual effects and maybe writing on occasion, but it's all going to be tech awards. It's very rare that comic book movies win acting awards. And this is twice that the Joker has won that character. That character. Different actor, but that character has won Academy Awards for Supporting Actor and then Actor. And then, uh, hey, they're both on the DC side. So we got that yeah. going for us over Which there. Which hopefully um, kind of sets a trend because I feel like, I mean, you and I take comic books like super seriously, but I just want the rest of the world to. We want to the industry. Like, when, it break, when it comes down to it, comic books is just words and pictures used to tell a story, which the essence of that makes it just you know just as legitimate of a storytelling method as anything else and that's why i'm glad that the rest of the world's kind of hey, starting to come around the second word in comic book is book yeah period mm -hmm. so um anyway um so let's see i watched aside from the golden globes i was able to squeeze in uh, six underground what do you think so <laughs> this is Six Underground is the Michael Bayest of Michael Bay movies I have ever yeah. seen, ever. <laughs> it's a '90s image comic. That's um, why I've. <laughs> that's that's for that's for sure. What I will what I think is interesting is if you didn't read the quest, if you didn't read the credits, there is no doubt that it was a Michael Bay film. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm like, I I actually question. Like, I saw his name in the credits, right? That this is a Michael Bay film. Um. But that opening car chase was unbelievable. That was awesome. Um, yeah. And this is what I think is what I think is interesting about this movie is that there was really like they. The story honestly was Michael Bay was like, how do I make Batman for real? Mm. Like like it's okay. like Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds way, is a billionaire but... who wants to do good by the world, so he creates he uses his money and resources to become this like hyper trained, like super spy type guy and then recruits people yeah. to work underneath him and he creates his little bat family and then they go out and get the bad guys. 
Um, it's funny, and the only reason I made that connection was he made a Batcave joke, and then I was like, oh, that makes oh sense, my goodness, yeah. this is literally like, Bat- this is he's Batman. <laughs> um, but that opening car chase was phenomenal, and it made me wonder what would happen if the other Michael Bay movies that we've kind of joked around about were not PG-13 and were rated R. Oh, yeah. Like, the amount of... <laughs> the amount of bodies in the car chase, the amount of bodies in the movie in general, <laughs> the 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 collateral damage that took place throughout yeah. this movie was in, it was it was a it was a treat. And then the big magnet thing at the end, um, and if you watch the movie, you'll know what I mean. Um, but the big magnet thing at the end was just really cool yeah. to watch. It was a really fun <laughs> special effect. Um, so yeah, overall it was a lot of fun. I yeah. wouldn't write. I'm not writing home about it, but it's it was, definitely worth it was, the watch. It was a lot of fun action, and like you said, like the gore, just how much gore was in the movie was ridiculous, but so much fun. Um, I think uh, the gore calm, calmed down though. Like there was heavy gore at the beginning, and then it calmed down for a while, and yeah. then it picked up a little bit at the end. But I never felt it. Like the the beginning the, of the movie was the beginning the is definitely. You're probably right, and it is the most shocking part. I did kind of feel like throughout there was, like, anytime there was a gunfight or something, I feel like you would see, like, somebody getting blasted and, like, some blood splatters, like, maybe not front and center, but, like, on the margins of the screen and stuff like that. It was definitely, like, notably more gory than, like, any other Michael Bay movie that I've seen, but, uh, um... I'm totally losing what I was going to say. Oh, no, just like like I said before, there's parts of this movie that just... I don't know if they, they make that much sense when you start to think about it. Like how um, Ryan Reynolds lost... Well, spoiler alert, the driver on his team, he loses in the first, uh, the first big action scene. So he needs to recruit another member, so he gets a sniper... And I'm not sure, like, where the <laughs> train the of logic... Yeah, was. exactly. And there's a lot of little things like that, but overall, I'll just turn your brain off. You'll have a blast watching that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched uh, the movie Aeronauts. Okay. I don't Do you know, know what this is. I don't think I this know This movie, it is. so it takes place in the 1800s. <coughs> it's um, Felicity Jones and... I'm told Eddie Redmayne, and they are trying to fly a hot air balloon higher than anyone's ever flown before um, in the in history. And they and he's trying to like Eddie Redmayne is a scientist who wants to learn how to predict weather. Um, so he's trying to take weather readings, and he and he makes this comment about how he's like he's like she's like it's getting colder, and he's like yeah, but we're getting closer to the sun, so it should be warming up. <laughs> but that's not how atmosphere works. Yeah. So like you see him freezing and stuff. Like they get. I'm going to tell you this. The movies are it's it's a fun sit. It's very entertaining. It's very short. But the visual effects in this movie are unbelievable. And if you watch it, watch it on the biggest screen you can because some of the height stuff that they do with their camera angles yeah. and some of the dangerous stuff like those scenes where they have to um uh they uh there are height scenes where she has to climb outside the basket of the balloon and st- like it's and it's terrifying to watch because of how they like because of the camera angles cool and stuff like yeah. it's really it's cool and some really exciting bits at the end yeah um but uh overall the movies it's a pretty fun movie okay nice. um and then i also watched hustlers okay i don't know if i even know this one either so hustlers is the movie where uh, it's jennifer lawrence um and uh lily reinhardt from uh riverdale 
and they um, it's about it takes place during the 2008 uh, housing uh, housing market crash. When okay. The stock market crashed in 2008, and it's all about this group of strippers that are trying to rip oh, off the Wall is, Street guys. This is the J Lo movie. Yeah. Right? Okay. And she got nominated for supporting actress uh, for the Golden Globes, and she's getting Oscar buzz too. The movie is awesome. Really? Like it's awesome. Okay. From top to bottom, it's awesome, and it's a true story too. And I didn't know it was a true story. I thought it was just written for fun. It's awesome. Okay. Um, so yeah, t- I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> and J Lo was actually J Lo was really good in it. She wasn't my favorite part about the movie, but she was really good in it. So um, movie's great. Interesting. It was just so far off my radar that I just like don't know anything about it. <laughs> like the people in it are just like not the same people I follow, and it's just like out of my wheelhouse. I think, but yeah, it yeah. sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then well, look, I like. I like Jennifer Lopez. I like her movies. Yeah. Um, the mo- the the trailer made me interested to see it, and then when I saw Lily Reinhardt from Riverdale, that honestly pushed me over the edge to want to see the movie to begin with. Okay. Yeah. And then the movie started getting attention for awards, and I was like, okay, I have to see this movie. <laughs> nice. Um, so there is two trailers that I watched, and we're and this will roll right in the news. Yeah. So first off, one of the trailers I wanted to talk about last week because it was in like I'd seen the trailer and then it was in front of Star Wars and I forgot to bring it up. Okay. Um. So we're gonna talk about it real quick. Did you see the trailer? And I didn't want you to watch the trailer. Bef- a lot of times, a lot of times I make you watch trailers before yeah. we go on the show so we can discuss. So I mm-hmm. didn't want to bring it up because I hope you didn't, so I could try and explain the trailer. <laughs> yeah. But did you see the trailer for Free Guy? Yeah, I actually did. See okay. One. <laughs> okay. So let me see if I understand this right. Ryan Reynolds is an NPC in a video game world yeah, who discovers much. that he's in a video game <coughs> and can now, because he's broken the code of understanding what he is, he can do things in the game now. Like, he becomes a player, technically. I, I almost, like, I don't even know if I read it like that. Like, I don't, I didn't re- read that level of awareness with him. I just figured it was him. He is an NPC, and he so, is... If you don't know, NPC means non-player character. So when you're playing your Legend of Zeldas or your Grand Theft Auto or what what have you, yeah. the characters that are walking around in the screen on the streets that are not controlled by the player, those are NPCs. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I guess I just imagined he wasn't that aware where he knows he's in a video game, but I feel well, like... he knows when he puts the glasses on in the but, trailer. But that's the thing is, like, I don't think he knows it's a game. I, fe- I felt like he was... He is an NPC, and he goes around, and he does the same thing every day of his life, and he just got bored of it, so he decided to, like, break away and do his own thing, which leads to him getting, like, one of the player glasses, and I don't even... At that point, I don't know if he realized it. To me, this is my interpretation, but I don't know if he realized it was a game. He just realized, like, oh, this is what these glasses do, and they give you goals, and there's, like, you can see all this crazy stuff, so I'm not really sure what his level of awareness will be in the movie, right. but... No, I, I don't know. No, I, well, I just... <laughs> the idea of it has just been making my brain scratch. Yeah, Because how sure. do you pitch that? And I'm curious to how many... How do you pitch that to a studio? And then, as an audience member, how many people watch that trailer and don't fully understand that Ryan Reynolds is an NPC? Well, that's the that was my issue with it, because... I watched the trailer probably four times... Until I was like, oh, he's there, an NPC. There was a lot to take in in that there was trailer. A lot. And that was like, 
I saw it. Um, I did see it before Star Wars, but I actually watched it a day or two before that when it was when it released online. And I was. Uh, it took me about half the trailer to figure out what was going on. And then while I was trying to figure it out, there was also just a lot going on on the screen at every part. And then once I figured it out, I was like, okay, this is cool. But I think because it was so unclear at first, I had a really hard time, like, getting into it. Now that I know what it's about, I'm probably going to enjoy the movie, and uh, it's probably going to be a great time. I just think they, I almost feel like they could have done a little bit better just communicating what this movie is even about, because, you know, like, I pay a lot of attention to pop culture, um, but I feel like, like you said, there's probably, probably people who don't who have no idea what the movie actually is about. So. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, and it like I said it, it was a you put it best. There was a lot to take in. Yeah. It was it was crazy. Um all it right. It looks like it's going to be worth watching though. It, it definitely looks like it's, looks like it's worth watching. Yeah. So, um did you see the new Mutants trailer? Yes, I did. Okay, actually. so f- there's been this fabled fabled movie, fabled I guess is a good way of wording it because at this point I feel like it's a myth. So a while back, uh, before Disney bought Fox, um, X-Men Apocalypse came out, and we thought that was going to be the final X-Men movie in the Fox X-Men franchise. Yeah. But then we heard about this little underground-ish movie <laughs> no called... No pun intended. A no pun intended <laughs> called New Mutants that we didn't... That kind of, like, spurred up out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, new Mutants uh, clearly explores, well, some New Mutants, but it looked like a horror film. Like the tra- yeah. the original trailer looked like a horror film, and we were I was all like I don't know what this is I'm really <laughs> curious and then when Disney bought Fox, we had there were rumors that New Mutants went through tons of reshoots, and then Disney New Mutants was shelved and we were never gonna get it, and now officially New Mutants is being re released in mm-hmm. April, um, but here's what I'll tell you. Um, uh, director Josh Boone's original cut of the New Mutants uh, will be finally released on April 3rd with an intended PG-13 rating. Now, there's a lot of stuff I've seen online with that say no rating given, and it even says not yet rated on the trailer. But according to like Josh Boone, there was no indication that he was trying to go for a rated R. Yeah. So he intended for it to be PG-13. It's the original cut. Yeah. Now, in terms of reshoots, I've said it before. All movies go through reshoots. That does not mean they were reshoots intended to make it line up with the Marvel Universe because they were being bought by Disney. So. Are people online complaining about that? No, I wanted to clarify that because (coughs) it came, like, we have our group chat with our our group text messages with our brothers <laughs> and it came up in conversation and I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This is, you know, the idea of reshoots. I'm like, ooh, I wonder how many other people read reshoots and thought to themselves, this, how is this the original yeah. cut? Um, but, but, but apparently it's the director's intended version of the film. Yeah, so. People freak out over like everything online. Like, I know. They, so we're uh, not going to get the Josh Boone cut. So don't think you that you're getting... You mentioned reshoots and... Uh, just immediately people start with these conspiracy theories about how they're changing the entire movie and stuff. And it's, it's just crazy. Um, I like, honestly, I'm just really excited. This movie is going to come out. And, uh, I mean, if somewhere down the line, like 
there is some rumor about like it's not what the director originally intended like i guess we can worry about that then but for now like i'm just excited to actually see this movie right. i've been excited the whole time it looks really interesting it looks pretty dark but it looks like a new take on like a superhero movie it doesn't look like your typical origin story which i'm really excited about and uh like I've said before, the cast looks awesome, and uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Um, it looks like Magic's sword, the character Magic, like her sword is actually like really big, because I know a lot of people were worried about that, that she was going to just have a regular looking sword, and it looks like she actually has like a pretty big, crazy sword, so that's pretty cool too. So, Right. Um, well, which, so yes, I agree that, that when, her, when her hand turns into the sword... Um, in the trailer, there's definitely some new stuff in that trailer compared to the original trailer, and it looks great. Yeah. Um, <coughs> but it still looks like the original movie is still intact. But what I wanted to say about reshoots is, like I said, it does not mean those reshoots are being done to fall in line with Marvel or the MCU or the Avengers nonsense. A reshoot can be ordered for a film because when they're doing the final edit on the film... They realize, oh shoot, there's a plot hole. We need to add a scene. Yeah. Or oh shoot, how did they get that thing in their hand? Can we go get the actor back and shoot a quick thing of them picking it up? Like honestly, a lot of times reshoots are ordered to make the movie better because they notice mistakes in the editing room. How many from the finals, from the director saying cut the last time on set to the movie actually getting the screen and we see it? It has to pass through so many people seeing the movie. And that's how they catch mistakes. Yes, some mistakes get through sometimes, but that's how they catch mistakes. Yeah. So reshoots don't always mean bad things for movies. <laughs> um, I just realized there's something else on the whiteboard that I forgot to put up. Did you see? <coughs> We're going to get off uh, this real quick. and Actually, no, let's stay on Marvel, and then we'll swing back around. <laughs> so uh, Christian Bale is apparently in talks to join the cast of Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, that's weird. I uh, actually had no idea, but yeah. yeah <laughs> well, I hit the news. That story hit, and I went, "Oh, okay." Well, usually when we end up with a this person's in talks to join this film, they yeah. end up in that movie. So we're probably farther down the contract negotiation ball that we, you know, we're we're, tr we're probably farther into that process than we think yeah. we are or know we are. But I mean, whatever. There's actors that go back and forth. I don't mind. I don't, uh, I know, like, Christian Bale played Batman, but I don't think of him as, like, a comic book movie guy, so it's just kind of really unexpected. I know, especially you know? because we know what Thor Ragnarok was, and uh, Taika's coming back to do Love and Thunder, so with that weird, uh, that <laughs> yeah. weird visual imagery and stuff, like, it's not something we know Christian and Bale to do, so. He's also, like, the kind of guy I almost <laughs> expected him to only, like, be the kind of guy who's like, I'm not going to do a comic book movie unless it's Christopher Nolan directing or something. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see where it goes, right. you know. Um, well, I feel like we're kind of rolling through stories a little faster <laughs> than I thought. Uh, but that's okay, because um, I don't mind. Uh, since we're on that, <coughs> excuse me, I didn't mean to cough there. But like I said, I apologize at the top of the show. Um, so on the Marvel note. We have uh, breaking news. Kevin Feige just announced that the next big MCU event film will be World War Three. Okay. There is no Avengers in the title. 
It's just World War th Marvel Studios World War Three. Okay. Um. So, <coughs> World War Three is not a title that stands out to me in terms of, um, Marvel storytelling. It's not like ooh Secret Wars. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um. The so I'm not. Go ahead. Well, the only thing that comes to mind for me is World War Hulk. But now that we have Smart Hulk, I don't know, is that gonna, is like an event like that gonna happen where it's like Hulk versus all the Avengers and stuff like that? Um, that's the only thing I was actually gonna ask you once you said the title, like, do you think Did of you any see titles this story? for that? But no, I actually, I actually didn't oh. know about this one either. I've kind of been staying like out of, not that I'm like anti spoilers, but I've kind of been avoiding them a lot lately just because, I don't know, like, I guess. So I, hold, I on like hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're on, you're on a pop culture podcast. Yeah, but it's just kind and of and you avoid the internet. No, so. I don't avoid the internet. I just like I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been keeping up with like really far out there, like far out meaning like we're very far away from this film. Like I haven't been keeping up with like that stuff as far as Marvel news goes. I guess. Okay, so let me see if I can let me see if we can put this into perspective so and this makes remember how that dr doom story i mentioned how mm -hmm. wandavision might be setting up dr doom so dr doom continued to jump back in time until he found a way to save earth from uh the would-be munching threat of galactus the downside all that messing with time has caused a rift in the universe resulting in the earth or counter earth but who's counting earth right merging with the planet um earth of the Wildstorm universe to create Earth 13031. <laughs> now, here's what I can tell you. <coughs> What's interesting about reading that brief synopsis is that I've heard many rumors about... Um, okay, hold on. Here's a little bit more. A whole new history is placed with, which never existed before, Doom has uh, utilized time locks at the nexus of all realities to keep all the universe together and himself in power. Not that he's alone. He's aided his control of the Earth by Annihilus, the Alien Skrulls, the Hellspont, uh, Lord Defile, and Daemonite, and the Daemonite Army. The world is defended by this realities, incarnations of the Avengers, Fantastic Four, Wetworks, Stormwatts, and the Wildcats. Now, what's interesting to read about that in terms of what World War III was is that, uh, so first off, I wasn't really, I didn't really know much about that story. I've never read it. Mm-hmm. But we've heard rumors about Doctor Doom being introduced in the WandaVision show, so maybe they're leading up to that being the team movie because they're going to build... That's that's the next thing they're building towards. Yeah. Why not Secret Wars Marvel, <laughs> but they're building towards that? And then we I've heard many rumors about Kang the Conqueror being the next big Thanos villain. Okay. And if anyone knows anything about Kang the Conqueror, he deals heavily with time travel. Because so, we haven't had enough of that. Let's go yeah. cosmic. <laughs> let, let's go cosmic. Let's go time travel. Let's actually see Chronopolis on screen. Um, but that's I don't know. I just. I mean, it sounds cool. I I do feel like are we gonna have another big time travel event movie? Like, to me, just hearing this brief synopsis, I'm kind of like, are you know why don't they do like a different approach than do like everything time travel based? But oh, sure, <laughs> that's me just being the yeah. naysayer for that one, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, like, I, like, 
you said I'm not familiar with the story, so I don't have much to say on it. But yeah, yeah. did they? Is there any release date or no, anything like it that? It just okay. says the next team up movie will be called. Okay, fair enough. So yeah. it's literally speculation. Internet, <coughs> do what you do best. Um, so let's jump across the pond to DC for a minute. Okay. Um, couple things. First off, did you see the photo? The first photo of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, for the Batman, I did actually. Yeah, which. Man, I, I man, didn't know it was the, qu- the quality of that picture. I I cannot yeah. begin to tell you how excited I am for the Batman movie. <laughs> right. Um, it's probably one of the grainiest set photos I've ever seen in my entire life. If you just showed me a picture and said, hey, check out the photo of the new Batman, <laughs> I don't know if I would have believed you. <laughs> right. It's not even a Batman. It's Bruce Wayne on a motorcycle. Yeah. Or possibly a dirt bike or something like. Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. No, I I, I I did see those pictures. I just I I didn't get that hyped up about them because it's just literally like what you said. It's like a grainy set photo of. It like, made me laugh more. It's than someone on a motorcycle. The article I read didn't even confirm if it was Robert Pattinson or not. But uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still excited for the movie. I just right. <laughs> those photos didn't specifically get me that excited. Well, um, here's, I know, it, like I said, it just, honestly, it made me laugh more than anything because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, but it's good that people are excited about the movie for sure. Yeah. So. so James Gunn has reportedly confirmed that he turned down the chance to make a Superman movie in favor of doing Suicide Squad. Okay. How do you feel about that? I mean, I don't think it's that surprising. Okay. Um, I feel like Suicide Squad is so much... Like, knowing his previous work, it seems so much more up his alley. And I feel like after he made Brightburn, which is probably his way of doing a Superman movie, like, it's kind of like, how do I make another version of this thing I already made? You know what I mean? Oh, sure. He's probably really happy with Brightburn, and that's like the Superman movie he would have made in the first place, I guess. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, oh, I just thought it was interesting to hear that he was even like, because I didn't, I don't know if I heard that he was even in running to make a Superman movie. Yeah, I, I didn't know um, about this either. I do think it's the most exciting part about it is that they are. It sounds like they are at least in talks trying to make a, another Superman movie, which we can all be excited about that. So yeah, they just got to find the right director, I guess. I know, right? <laughs> well, there's that, and <coughs> DC needs to figure out what they want to do with the character. So yeah, well, I mean, maybe they just need the right writer and director to figure that out for us. So I, I guess so. <laughs> um, James Gunn also said that the Suicide Squad has the biggest set of any he's movie he's ever worked on. Um, I mean, I just thought that was an interesting quote to hear from. I him. don't know if that's that surprising either, because I imagine most of Guardians of the Galaxy was like shot on green screen sets. Well, that's what I was trying, thinking. Yeah, is because. Look, as much as I love Infinity War and Endgame, so much stuff from Infinity War was shot with green screen. Mm-hmm. Like, probably the entire end of Endgame was shot with green screen. Like, a lot of comic book movies will eventually have to use green screen work and not use giant sets. But the bigger the sets, like, I mean, we talked about the Robin, the new Robin Hood movie. The movie's not the best, but there's some amazing set work no, in that movie. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, Kajimi, the planet Kajimi from uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is apparently one of the largest sets that they've ever built for Star Wars. 
Like, and I honestly don't think we really got to see that planet. I was actually just thinking about that. We didn't even see it that much, which right is I, I, <laughs> like well. I mean, it's cool they built the set, and now I want to like watch some behind the scenes stuff right. about it. You know, but yeah. So I just I kind of look at it and I go, it's awesome to hear that they're building sets, which probably means cool. Like, there's got to be some big chase sequence or big fight sequences where they needed giant sets like that to accomplish. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, yeah, and it's it, I think this is just like it's exciting. I'm hoping they release some behind the scenes stuff about this because um I mean I would just like to see uh James Gunn like kind of working in like with these huge sets and kind of see you know what you know what he does with them and stuff like that. Um the whole set talk does remind me of didn't Batman and Robin have like some I don't know if they set records but weren't wasn't that movie known for having just like massive massive sets <coughs> Which I just think is funny, like, to um, compare to They it, did but... do massive, massive yeah. sets, and they also, I guess, Batman and Robin, one of the one of the faults I read about that movie is that they had the toy company execs on site to say, oh, wait, if you change this to this, we can make a toy out of it. <laughs> right. Or if you change that to that, we can make a toy out of it. So it was literally, there was so much money grabbing going on with that movie that... I think that I think that contributed I could think that contributed more to the movie not being good than anything else. Yeah, I could see that. Because then you get to Batman Begins and Hasbro's looking at or DC's looking at Batman Begins going, "Wait a minute, there's a guy in a suit, that's the toy." Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like cuz Ra's al Ghul's the villain and he wears a suit. <laughs> so, um thinking about um what you were saying about Batman and Robin, it makes sense, too, because I wonder if the studio wanted it to be very accessible to kids. Like, if they were pressuring, like, Joel Schumacher, like, we have to do this movie, like, for kids because we want to sell toys. I wonder if that was factored into the approach to it. And, like, I wonder if that's kind of why he went the direction of, like, well, if they want to do it to kids, I'll, you know, kind of model it, like, pretty closely after the 60s Batman, which, you know, is tried and true and, you know... I guess, like, I'm just... It makes me interested to know the approach to it because I could see, like, somebody thinking, like, well, if they want to go this direction, I'll just kind of, like, approach it the same way they did in the 60s and you wouldn't, like... As the the director, you might not think that people would have a problem with that until the movie comes out and everybody hates it, which I think is kind of funny, even though, like, you're kind of basing it on this, like, beloved, like, Batman TV show from you know, decades past. Is any of this making sense no, at yeah. all? Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm not looking, I'm not looking at you with no, a, I, like you, a blank stare. A, I'm no, yeah, yeah. I was just like thinking about that. It's like kind of interesting because that's one thing about Batman and Robin is I really feel like when you watch it and if you keep in mind, like this is like a tongue in cheek movie. This is like more comedy based, like the sixties Batman. There's, it's still like not the greatest thing, but I get a little bit more amusement out of some of the gags they have in there. Keeping that in mind, like, viewing it as a tongue-in-cheek, more sarcastic movie, you know? Like, yeah. uh, Robin crashing through, like, a huge window on a motorcycle, and the window shatters behind him in the shape of a Robin symbol. Like, that's a funny gag. Like, if you don't take it seriously, it's actually pretty hilarious. You know you what? Know? That one shot, that should have been... <laughs> Because everything up to... Alright, so if you watch Batman and Robin, 
you get to the point where, because Batman comes down through the skylight, the classic Batman through the skylight maneuver. Yeah. And then Robin crashes through <laughs> the window, and it's got the Robin symbol behind yeah. him. That's when we should have stopped taking the movie seriously. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Not. Because, I, because the next thing you see is they pop the ice skates out oh of the yeah, boots. The ice but <laughs> it shouldn't have been the ice skates. It should have been them <laughs> crashing through the window with the Robin symbol. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> because, <laughs> because before that, I remember the great Muppet caper, Miss Piggy crashing through the window on a motorcycle, and it was not in the shape of Miss Piggy. (laughs) (laughs) There's Um, also a scene in um, the second Resident Evil movie. I think it's Apocalypse. Where yeah, but I think that came after Batman and Robin. Oh no, it did for sure. I didn't want to bring it up. Oh yeah, that's a good call. Um, Yeah. All right. So moving on, because we could be on. We could do a whole episode on the really funny bits of Batman and Robin (laughs) if we wanted to. so this is, I thought, was really, really fun. In the world of us wanting Star Wars to be a thing for real and know yeah. that there are Jedi out there and droids and the adventures we've been watching on TV and they've all been real the whole time <laughs> and that opening line where it says, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, knowing that, yes, that does it is their way of saying once upon a time, but knowing yeah. that in a galaxy far, far away, this happened. NASA has discovered a planet that orbits two suns Nice. Sounds a lot like Tatooine from Star Wars. Yeah, right I thought on. that was amazing. <laughs> um, I know it's an audio podcast, but here's a brief picture of the planet. Oh, um, nice. So I'm just like, that's awesome. So you get a twin sun. Um, and if anyone at NASA is over there allowed to name stuff, whoever discovered it, I hope they gave it the same names as um, oh, the film yeah. itself. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Um, I'm kind of like just going through in my mind, like, does it orbit the suns in a figure eight shape or like, how does that work? You know, but what I was able to find <laughs> on it was, hey, we discovered this. Isn't this cool? Oh, yeah. They probably don't know enough to answer that question. I do. I do love just that kind of uh, like true scientific um, confirmation that having two sons is a possible thing because that's just like really awesome to, you know, yeah. hear, you know? Yeah. And it's probably a desert planet because if you're orbiting two suns, there's no way you cannot be a desert planet. So it must be Tatooine. Yeah, right. Um, are you ready to talk the list tonight? Uh, yeah. Are we there? Uh, are we, we are there. Okay. Nice. I don't have anything else on the news <laughs> desk unless you have something you want to add. Oh no, I'm good. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, uh, Ryan, it's time for the list. Roll the thing. for the top five and we are back so this pick this week was mine mm-hmm. so um just to break everyone down the reason i chose this list we are doing top five dinner scenes from movies television pop culture wherever we decided to find it um this uh list caught my attention because we're all sitting down for thanksgiving and christmas dinners and new year's mm-hmm. parties and stuff like that and people are having family over and doing extra stuff because my Christmas ends up being like four days when I break it into how many family things I have to go to. So um, it just made me realize how many dinners I was having and thought this would be a fun list. And I was holding on to this for such a long time because we had planned episodes. Yeah. So um, how about this? I was my pick. So you have to go first. Uh, do you yeah. have any honorable mentions? I do. I actually have two. Um, okay. So I actually... Uh, oh, one thing I wanted to say is like... I found this list, like, both hard and easy. Like, it was hard, but then when I started thinking about it, it got easy. But I know you are pre- you probably picked out some gems that I totally forgot about. So there is. How about this? See. I am fully expecting us to match on one. 
And if we don't match, I'm going to be very shocked. I feel like I might not. And I'm saving it for the final, for the one I'm fine. I'll talk about it at the end. Not because it's my number one pick, but because (coughs) it's the movie that actually, aside from what I told you, it's the movie that gave me the idea to do this list. I knew there was one movie scene that gave you the idea for it. I feel like, um, so a while, sorry, this is a random tangent. Sure. Like, a while ago on Facebook, um, there's some of our uh, listeners were compiling a uh, top five report drinking game yeah. in the comments. And uh, so, how many I, times have they drank? Because you coughed. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right on. Um, I feel like uh, every time we match should be a drink. I don't know if that's on there, but oh, or maybe every time we match it should be a shot. I'm not. Yeah, really that's sure. interesting. Um, but anyway, right, so what's your first? Into my mention. first honorable mention is the scene at the beginning of the first Ninja Turtles movie where they order pizza and you know they pay the guy through the sewer grate take it back to their sewer lair and uh it's a very short scene but i really enjoy that i think it's leonardo who like kind of does the whole like throw the pizza in the air slices his swords to like send (laughs) send like pizza slices all across the room to, to the different turtles that's pretty much it but it's just like such a fun little bit and it gave us that uh that great line about you know wise man say forgiveness is divine but never pay full price for a late pizza so yeah <laughs> i actually used that line the other day because someone was complaining about uh some delivery showing up late or like bad restaurant <laughs> service and i was like you know forgiveness is divine <laughs> um all right so my first honorable mention is uh avengers one and it's the post credit scene where they're all having shawarma right does not <clears throat> there's not much to say about it it's just a funny bit where they're just kind of like dragging ass and I did think about food this at one. the end. So. And it's funny because if you watch the movie, it would be a dinner scene. Yeah. Right? But the scene remind I even thought about it in my head and I was like, well, it's a breakfast scene. Because I think <laughs> the way when you see it, it just reminds you of like when you go out with your friends and party <laughs> right. a little too hard and you have that really rough breakfast the next morning. And when I thought about it and then like think about it now, I'm like, well, they were fighting during the day, so it was a dinner scene, but yeah, that's really weird, but that's well, a good pick. Well, I was sure. thinking, I almost said the scene where they were trying to pick Thor's hammer up from Avengers 2, but that's not a dinner scene. Right. That's literally the end of a party, and they all just happen to be hanging out. <laughs> so I was like, wait, that's not but, and then I was like, oh yeah, Avengers 1. So, like I said, honorable mention, so, yeah. Nice. Um, into my next one, uh, it's the scene from A Christmas Story when, um, I can't remember uh, Ralphie's... Ralphie's the main character, right? Yeah. His little brother. I can't, oh, my when, God. When, that's uh, awesome. When his mom's, like, basically getting him to eat his mashed potatoes and, uh, or I think it's his meatloaf, and <laughs> yeah. uh, tra- getting him to, like, act like a pig <laughs> and eat his meatloaf. And that just whole sequence is so hilarious. I'm, I don't think I can do it justice right now. No, I'm not, yeah. you don't need to, like, the, the, how does the piggy eat scene. Yeah. Um, but see, it's great, because, like, as, as, uh, Randy, his brother Randy, yeah, is, Randy, like, just going it. to town on his plate of mashed potatoes <laughs> and meatloaf, the dad and his, his brother and his dad are looking at the plate like, oh my god, that's disgusting, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so my final honorable mention is The Empire Strikes Back. This makes an honorable mention because it is not actually a dinner scene. I was going to say that, do they even eat anything? No, well, you don't see anything. You just know (laughs) that the door opens to the dinner table, and before anything can happen, Han Solo, like an asshole, pulls out his blaster and starts shooting. 
<laughs> but it is technically it's always return, referred to as like the dinner scene or whatever. Yes, that's why that's why it makes an honorable mention. Yeah. It doesn't actually. Is make... there actual um, food on the table, sort of thing? It, the table's set. Mm-hmm. There's no food out, but the table's set. Yeah. And then uh, I've always seen, like, jokes about how, like, isn't Darth Vader, like, fed through, like, a feeding tube of some sort or something There's like a lot that, of but... jokes about this scene. Yeah. Like, tons of them. There's tons of <laughs> memes about it. There's, like, there's, like, uh, um, <clears throat> Robot Chicken made some jokes about it. Like, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff specifically <laughs> with this scene. It just, you know, it's not actually a dinner scene. That's why I couldn't include it on my actual list of five. So. Right on. Yeah. But I had, to, but there was no way I couldn't bring it up <laughs> because it's funny. Nice. So first actual pick, what do you got? Um, I did the Close Encounters uh, mashed potatoes <laughs> devil tower scene, and this one is you just... and the mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, well that's yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this one, like I mainly picked good because amazing scene though. Yeah, so. and it's one of those scenes that you remember for the rest of your life, and it's like every time, like to this day, every time I get mashed potatoes, I sit down and I'm like. I guess I should start making Devil's Tower or something, and it's just one of those things that stick with you. It's really yeah. iconic. So that's yeah, kind when of he like makes why. Devil's Tower out of his mashed potatoes, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, "I know this." Yeah, <laughs> and then you see him building Devil's Tower. Like, uh, by the way, you we went we've been to Devil's Tower. Yeah, one of the coolest places on this planet. It's in Wyoming, Devil's Tower, Wyoming. If you ever get a chance to get out there, it's a it's so amazing. Yeah, um, it's awesome. It's really cool too. Like. Besides, like, it being an awesome monument and then, of course, like, Close Encounters being filmed there and stuff, there's just the, I guess, like, Native American folklore around Devil's Tower I thought was really, really awesome. And, like, some of those stories I still remember from learning about when I was a kid and I went there. And, like, it's just really cool if you get into sort of that, like, folklore legend sort of stuff. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff as far as that aspect goes. Right. Well... So my next pick, moving on, um, I am pulling from the comic book side of the world. So okay. like, I actually digging into comic books and pulling a scene out. Now we were doing movie. This is scenes, right? movies, television, pop culture, wherever you find oh, them. Oh, so okay. I did, did, does that like totally but... screw up no, your list? No, I feel like I maybe I might have had some honorable mentions. The rest of mine are all movies. But, <laughs> right. <on>. Um, <laughs> there's no way I could avoid. There's no way I could have avoided not putting this on my list. So, yeah. um, the the comic book is Batman: Death of the Family by Scott Snyder. Um, to give you an idea of where before we get to the actual dinner scene, you need to know what's going on in the comic leading up to this moment. This is when the Joker has surgically removed his face and strapped it back on with a belt mm-hmm. to hold it in place. So he looks way more demonic. So it's basically like he removed his face so all you can see is the muscle. And then he put the face back over and then used like a belt to hold it in place. And he's doing these like ungodly horrible things like beyond anything the Joker has ever done. And like Harley Quinn was like, I can't handle this. This is like way too dark for me. And she leaves. You know what I mean? Like she's like, I'm out of here. And the Joker's just going (coughs) beyond crazy like anything we've ever seen. And so, and slowly he starts systematically capturing all the members of the Bat family. So Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing, uh, Jason Todd, uh, Red Hood, Alfred. And he gets them all at like a t- dinner table 
removes all their faces, puts bandages over them so they can't see, puts their faces, like, on dinner plates all in front of them, and then brings back... Because the Joker's whole point is that um, Batman will do anything to not kill me and put you all at risk. So no matter what oh, I do okay. to you, whatever whatever I do to you, Batman's still not going to kill me because yeah. he can't take a life. Nonsense. It's one of the most chilling, messed up things you will ever read. And it's amazing at the same time. It's absolutely astounding. Um, and I got a, and I got a chance to actually meet Zach Snyder, uh, Zach Snyder, Scott Snyder. Uh, he signed my book for me and we got a chance to talk about it. And it was, it was great. So... Yeah, Death of the Family. Um, you totally have to read it. It's so messed up. It's so bizarre. It's so off the wall, Batman. But it's so good. Nice. Um, yeah, and I don't want to tell you how it ends because it's astounding. But the essentially, how about this? I don't want to tell you how it ends, but essentially the reason it's called Death of the Family is because this instance, <coughs> this instance in the Batman lore breaks apart the Bat Family for a little while, and then the group in general does not trust Batman. Right. Which is really interesting in terms of the d- dynamic of the Cape Crusader. So. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just had to, like, I had to put that in there because of what went down. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. Um, I mean, it sounds, like, super memorable, if nothing else, you know. And that's Right. Um, let's see. I'm trying to decide if I want to keep it dark or if I should go with, like, something more lighthearted to break it up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll go with something more lighthearted um, and then get into my dark pick. But, um, so... I kept being, when I was compiling this list, I kept being brought back to that uh, Christmas vacation dinner scene that we talked about last week. Okay. Um, so are you going on Christmas vacation? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's my pick. Just because, I mean, it is like, there's a lot going on and it's not the longest scene, but there's just a lot of just really funny things going on between all the characters. I love the whole, like, um, the older aunt saying grace and actually saying the Pledge of Allegiance is hilarious. I love that... Uh, when the turkeys first cut open and it kind of like pops yeah it's super dry and it like yeah it pops open and it's just like such a unique look that that has and, and just then, like and then their eating becomes the soundtrack <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> um because all the sound like the entire soundtrack and that whole sequence is like them trying to eat and yeah, yeah. it's such a funny bit <laughs> so i don't have too much more to say about it than that but that's just well, like it's, it's about on it and, like, like amc just runs it at nauseum during yeah. the holidays so like yeah there's not a lot to say on it but it's <laughs> it's such a good it's 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 an amazing dinner sequence mm-hmm. so um that come to me yes uh so my next one is beetlejuice yes i thought I, this was on my short list okay as well, so but... i uh, i did think we were gonna match a little bit but i wasn't entirely sure yeah so uh so beetlejuice um this is a great dinner sequence, and I went back and re... Because I wasn't sure if I was going to put it on my list. I really didn't. I made my short list, and I was kind of struggling for a final pick. And then I went and re I'm like, hold on a second. Let me just watch the Beetlejuice dinner scene. And it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so good and bizarre and weird. And, like, the hands... Uh, the, the shrimp hands coming out and grabbing the faces yeah. and... Um, them dancing to the song and that's when i mean that's when the real like all the ghosts really just take over yeah it's fantastic i had this weird thing where i think i saw beetlejuice at too young of an age where like when you're a kid your like imagination's always running wild and i remember seeing that scene and not thinking it's that weird and i feel like if you if i went back and watched it i'd think it's really weird or if you don't see that movie till you're an adult you're like 
you know, what the heck is going on here. But as a kid, like, I just, I just kind of accepted it. I was like, oh, that was cool <laughs> sort of thing. So, like, it's kind of like a weird thing where I don't know if it impacted me as much as it should have just because, like, I was in that mindset where I was just going to roll with it, if that makes right. sense. So, um, All right, so what's... uh. Uh, my next pick, um, my next two, by the way, I know we're not matching on, so go ahead. Okay, fair enough. Um, so my next pick is, uh, there's a scene in Drag Me to Hell where, um, mm, Justin, yes, Long, you're talking about. Justin Long's character takes his, uh, girlfriend to his parents' house for dinner, and, uh, she's, like, really trying to make a good impression on, on his parents, because they don't think that highly of her, and she brings a homemade, like, farm cake, I can't remember the exact name of it. Um, there and uh, when all of them are sitting down, they eat the dinner and they start eating the cake. But the thing is, is this girl is cursed, so she's basically brought herself and her curse into uh, his parents' household. So as she's eating her cake, she's kind of like picking at her piece of cake, and you see this like this little eye pop out of, out of, out of like the cake batter, and you're just like, wait, what the heck is going on? And then, um, there's something where there's, I can't remember exactly how it happens, but there's like a fly that's flying through the room and I think the fly goes in her mouth and she's trying to like not draw attention to herself, even though like a fly just th flew out of her, down her throat or something. And basically what happens is the scene leads up to um, the fly coming out of her mouth and then everybody like freaking out because about the cake, like thing like, wait, are there fly eggs in this or something? And then if I remember correctly, she ends up like spitting like this massive swarm of flies, uh -huh. like into, yes, you remember Justin correctly. <laughs> into Justin Long's like mother's face or something. <laughs> and it's just this ridiculous, like super creepy, but really fun scene. Um, and yeah, I just, I just really love this movie. So I had to pick it. I don't know. No, it's, it's a, it's an amazing just... scene. As soon as, you, <laughs> as soon as you said the title of the movie, yeah. I knew exactly which scene you're talking about. But I do really um, like, I believe the, the image of her spitting the flies out of her mouth is on the cover of the DVD or Blu-ray or like, it might be. or it's on the poster or something. Like, I feel like I, that's an iconic image from that. Yeah. Movie, so, um, I think, um, <laughs> One thing I really do, and I don't know what it is, but whenever a whenever you see a movie or a story where a character has to really try hard to like prove themselves to like another group, I don't know why. Like maybe I identify a lot with that, or whatever reason I get into those stories a lot. And when it's done in like kind of a really bonkers horror way, like that's really attractive to me too. So that's kind of why I like the scene as well. So. Right. Um. All right. So my next going on to me not mm -hmm. to cut you yeah off. okay so my next pick is um have you ever seen like i said when i say there's no way on my next two picks were matching i'd be shocked if we matched but have you ever seen a movie called the ice harvest no and the look on your face <laughs> means you don't even know what movie i'm talking about <laughs> um there is so this is a movie uh john cusack billy bob thornton uh oliver platt um, it's basically about two guys that try and rip off uh, the mafia. Like, I, it's kind of like there's this, this money being transferred, and they're gonna try and grab it in yeah. the transfer, um, and <coughs> they're gonna do it on Christmas. Okay. Um, nice. So all this—it's basically a Christmas movie. All these like people are having their family Christmas parties, that kind of thing. Oliver Platt is not a part of the plan. He just is a friend of John Cusack's, and he gets drunk. 
<laughs> and like starts hitting on like every girl around and like pissing people off because like the girls are like just like he's drunk but their boyfriends are like what the heck and like getting in his face and stuff um but there's this scene where oliver platt uh john cusack is taking oliver platt home um but oliver platt didn't like there's a bit where like he has to go to his ex-wife's house first who's having, like, her family dinner over. So, like, yeah. all that stuff, like, and the new husband and the kids are all sitting there, and Oliver Platt comes in, and he's hammered drunk, and John Cusack's there with him, like, no, 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 we not here, we got to get you out of the house. <laughs> um, and Oliver Platt, like, comes, and he sits down, and he <coughs> grabs a turkey leg. Like, he never takes his gloves off either. He's got leather gloves on the whole time, and he grabs a turkey leg, leather gloves and all, and takes a big bite of it, and he's, like, waving it at people, and he, he's just being, like, like, the most obnoxious person yeah. ever. And it's so funny because eventually John Cusack has to drag him out of the house. So when I say drag him, like, drag him out, and he's, like, on his stomach, and he, like on the pavement and he gets up and he's like looking at his stomach he's like oh I scraped my belly like it's just this, <laughs> this some of the funniest lines nice it's, <laughs> the movie in general is great um it's a little it's a little slower paced at first but it's a great movie yeah um and it's and I don't know if I'd classify it as an independent film it just I don't think it was a giant studio that put it together I think it was right. kind of made and then farmed out okay uh, so in a way that kind of falls under the independent line but um but the sequence, like, just about everything with Oliver Platt in the movie is solid gold. Yeah. But this scene always makes me laugh every time I watch it. There's just so many funny bits in it. Um, and then it all leads into other things that he does. <coughs> nice. Yeah, The Ice Harvest. Check it out. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th I guess that would roll into my next pick. Uh -huh. um, so I actually just went with, I kept thinking about the uh, ending of uh, Mrs. Doubtfire with that great scene where it's... Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire with uh, her family, basically, or the family that she's nannying for, and then Robin Williams' character has to meet his boss at the same restaurant. And, like, this is a story that we've seen in so many sitcoms and so many cartoons do, where it's one guy has to be in two places at the same time, but I just feel like Mrs. Doubtfire does such a good job with the scene and the antics that ensue with, like, the costume changes that he has to go through as well as just, like... I don't know. I think it's just, like, as far as, like, that kind of scene, I feel like this is my favorite one. Um, I don't know if I have a ton to say about it otherwise, but, yeah, I just think it's it gets pretty intense and it's pretty hilarious, so. This is Doubt, Doubtfire is a movie that has not aged well for me. Like, I used to think it was really funny, and yeah. then, like, every now and then I'll catch it when they run it, and I'll be like, wow, this isn't... I haven't seen like, it, it in, just, like, a I don't, while, but... I don't think it holds up. <laughs> I, I really don't think it holds up, and I, I just it doesn't it did not age well for me. So I know what scene you're talking about. It was funny when I watched it before. <laughs> like I said, I just don't know how it sits now. So, um, yeah. So uh, let me doubtfire as I type it into the spreadsheet. I usually do this a little. I'm usually a little better about typing stuff into the spreadsheet. So my bad. So my next movie pick um, is a movie called Home for the Holidays. Have you seen this? Uh, I don't know. Okay, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's hilarious, and let me put it, let me do this. This is a movie. This is probably the only Thanksgiving movie that I could name. If someone said, "Ooh, let's watch a Thanksgiving movie," <laughs> everyone would scratch scratch their heads about what's a Thanksgiving movie, except me, because I would throw this on the table. It's basically so: Holly Hunter, uh, Dylan McDermott, Robert, a young Robert Downey Jr., Claire Danes. Um, so, Holly Hunter. 
is she works for uh, she works for a museum. She's an art curator, and she gets fired from her job, and then she has to go home and face her family for Thanksgiving. Um, and her brother is played by a young Robert Downey Jr. So this is like probably around his the drug thing that happened to him in his real life. So this is right around that time space. So okay. Um, but Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic in the movie, but they're clearly like the brother and sister that fight a lot, but it's like a love-hate relationship. And he... And the, and the fighting between them picks up right away, but it's like fun and games fighting, so like things that happen make you laugh. Um, but when you finally get to the... And then Steve Gutenberg's in it as well. <laughs> um, so you get the Goot. Uh, and... But eventually you finally get, and you see all the dysfunction and everything going on and her running into old friends when she goes home to visit her parents. And then eventually you get to the dinner sequence. And the dinner sequence is so, think of like, think of like Christmas vacation dinner sequence, but real life. So like where Christmas okay. vacation was a little bit more gaggy and they were like, ha, <laughs> this is funny because then this here's another joke and here's another joke. Yeah. This is like real life stuff. So you got the dad who like, that you got the grandpa who won't put down the video camera or the camera and he's trying to take pictures of stuff and like you have the one kid who's like here wait take a picture of me and like all the nonsense is going on and then you have like two birds because uh the one sister has to cook a <coughs> turkey the specific way and the mom wants to oh, cook right, a turkey yeah. the specific way so like they're fighting over who's got the correct bird and you got steve gutenberg so like a money guy so he won't stop talking about finances and He's talking, but no one's listening to him. And, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a really funny dinner sequence to watch because of how it all plays out. And there's so many jokes in it. Like, the jokes are all visual and they're dialogue, but it's like joke after joke after joke after joke. But it's written in a way to make it so real um, that it just feels like every Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner you've ever been to with the extended family. And you just want to shoot yourself afterwards. Um <laughs> The, uh, so I highly recommend this movie. It's so good. Home for the holidays. Uh, but, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no. And the whole thing ends and I don't want to mention, but the whole dinner sequence ends when like Robert Downey Jr. He's trying to carve, <coughs> he's trying to carve one of the turkeys and by mistake tosses the turkey off the plate and it lands in the lap of like one of the girls <laughs> and her dress is ruined and then the screaming really starts. And then even in the screaming, Robert Downey Jr. leans in with a Polaroid camera and snaps a picture. <laughs> um, yeah, really funny. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, so Home for the Holidays. That was my second to last pick. So Nice. Um, which would move on to my last one, so I guess uh, we'll see if we actually matched or not. I picked the uh, dinner scene from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yes, yes you okay. did. That was, that was the final pick. That's awesome. The, that's the movie that made me think of this list when I had... When I had the idea, I'm like, could I do dinner scenes? And then this movie just happened to be on. Yeah. Um, talk about it, and then we'll... Um, well, this this scene is just kind of... Uh, it had to be my last one that I mentioned, because it's such a uh, memorable thing. And uh, I just remember, like, there's so many kind of, like, gross-out parts in this where, like... Uh, I, I remember... Um, I'm bad with, like, character names, but... Uh, when the uh, the woman in the movie... Willie. <laughs> Huh? Willie. Willie, when she gets her soup and there's, like, the, the eyeball that, like, bubbles up. And then the part with the monkey brains. And uh, it's just, like, the whole thing. Like, there's so many, like, good parts. And I remember this being another one where I watched it as a kid. And I actually, like, 
in a weird way, like all this uh, captured my imagination. Like I wasn't grossed out about it. I just thought it was like really cool and memorable. Um, I don't, it's like such an iconic scene that like kind of speaks for itself. It's hard for me to like analyze it though. Well, no, like, well, see when the movies, (coughs) when you get to this part, I mean, up to this point, the movie is a standard Indiana Jones film and you don't really like, they got to this weird castle and yeah, you know, it's just, we don't know where the mystery is going yet. We just know that he was asked by the Indians to go check out the, um, the castle because yeah. their kids have all been kidnapped and he's just like getting there. He's like, nothing looks wrong. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So Indy's not even paying attention to the dinner aspect of it because there's a culture side of it. And he's just kind of like, yeah, it's culture whatever. I'm not like, <laughs> that's just how these people are. You don't like question it. So Willie and the, and the short round are yeah. like watching all this. And the first thing they do is they bring out the giant snake. Yeah, the giant and it's snake. A, it's a cooked snake. Whatever. People eat snake. We all know that. It's a delicacy. So you don't think much of it until they cut open the snake and all these baby snakes come crawling <laughs> out of it. And you see the guys like just eating the snakes raw and alive. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're all free. And her and the her and short round are just like, what the heck's happening? And then they bring in the tray of bugs. Yeah. And they're not like, and the bugs are almost like oysters. Like they're cooked, but they're like sucking out the guts. Like that's, you know, like they're just slurping out mm-hmm. the guts. I actually forgot about the bugs till you mentioned it. Right. right well, now. they're doing that, and she's like. I always thought the bugs looked like peanut butter, to be honest. I don't know what the, I don't yeah. know what they actually <laughs> ate, but it was funny because he's like, you're not hungry. And she's like, I had bugs for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh, while they're doing the bugs, it's so funny because she turns the short run and she goes, give me your hat. And he's like, why? And she's like, I'm going to throw up in it. Like. <laughs> But then uh, she asks for uh, soup. She's like, do you have any soup? And they're like, yeah. And they bring her soup. And everyone's like, oh, she's got the soup. And she opens it up and it smells great. And then she, like, it's got the, like, the three eyeballs. Yeah. yeah. And she freaks out. (laughs) Um, And then after, and I, and I, and then the next food thing that happens is the dessert. And they're passing out the monkey heads, like mm-hmm. the severed monkey heads. And he's like, ooh, chilled monkey brains. And he just pops <laughs> off the top. Like they carved it like a pumpkin. You top off, yep. pop off the top and it just like starts eating. Um, it's, I don't know if you could have done, like, I don't know if that scene could be done any better in terms of special effects. I don't know if that scene could have been done any better in terms of like timing and order and like what else could you have oh, added yeah. to make that scene? Like, was there cuts, was there cut footage on the uh, shooting uh, of the editing room floor? of food that we didn't get to see that was, like, really bizarre. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that's actually a good question, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you said it all there. I just, like, I feel like it's just such a good, iconic scene. It was hard for me to, like, really even think of, like, where to start and, like, what to uh, analyze about it, I guess. It's just, like, something I've always remembered through my life. And, like, I don't know what it was. Like, maybe I just watched... Like, as a kid, I think, like, as a like as a little boy, I probably watched a lot of cartoons and stuff where you'd see, like, random eyeballs pop up and things and stuff. So when I finally saw this movie, it none of it, like, really grossed me out. I think maybe, like, it did other people. I don't know if you were ever grossed out about it or if, like... I was never grossed out yeah, about it. I was, which I, is weird. I don't but, know. That's the thing. Like, it's not, like... It was on the other day, like, it was on, I think it was on the Paranaut channel, and I just had it on, and my kid's yeah. sitting there next to me playing on his Nintendo Switch, yeah. and I'm like, hey, watch this bit, and he, like, started freaking out, <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't ever remember being grossed out by this movie at all, like, at any point do I remember, it's one of the, I think, it's definitely the first Indiana Jones movie I saw, Yeah, I know that for sure, but I don't ever remember being grossed out by it. 
I remember uh, even like at the end of Indiana Jones, like when he uh, carves the guy's heart out of his chest, like as a kid, like I didn't like squirm at all or something like that. And I don't know yeah, why. Same. It's just like, um, I don't know. Right. And there's, uh, and a lot of people don't know this, but so Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, we've talked about all this weird food stuff. You yeah. mentioned the heart being <laughs> pulled out of the guy's chest. This movie's rated PG. It's actually the last movie to be rated PG. It's the movie that made the industry say, we need something between PG and R, and that's how we got PG-13 ratings. Yeah. Because of this movie. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Interesting. So there was no PG movies after that, or that's just... Well, there was PG the movies that, after okay. that, but that's the one that broke the mold to give us the PG-13, because it just went from G, PG, to R. Yeah. And then that's the... So if you, if you look back at history, and you're just like, oh, look, oh my gosh, all the Star Wars movies today are PG-13... Well, those originals are PG. Yeah. You know I feel what I mean? like, was episode one PG? I think, P, I think episode one was PG. Yeah. Because um, I guess there was a big, <laughs> I guess there was a big push that George wanted at PG. But then if you look back in like Jaws, that's PG. Yeah. Where like crazy. today's standards, that'd probably be a rated R film. You know? Um, I do remember, actually, like I remember specifically the special edition of Star Wars was PG because I remember seeing the TV spots and it would say rated PG. I was like, oh, I never knew that about Star Wars, but yeah. I mean, that's not here nor there. I just thought it's like a random memory I had. Well, how about this? Uh, That brings us to the end of this list. Mm -hmm. Um, What are we doing? It's your pick, so what are we doing next week? Yeah, so this is one I've been sitting on a bit, but I think it'd be pretty fun. Um, I kind of want to do our top five video game environments. Um, and this could be anything from like an old Mario level to a, uh, you know, your favorite level in Halo to like a favorite multiplayer level. It can be anything, which I like to do for video games. Cause I know both of us have kind of like have had our moments of like really heavy gaming and not so heavy gaming. So I think it's like a good way to like draw from a lot of gaming generations. And I think it'll just be kind of a fun one. Um, since the one thing I was going to say... I don't is, know if I'll have uh, honorable mentions on this, but... Yeah, it, it might be hard, it might not, but um, one thing is, like, I did want to mention is, like, because we probably want the audience to be able to relate to it an ex- to an extent, it's probably best not to pick, like, your own level that you designed in such and such a game or something. Oh, like, like in the I get to make things. <laughs> yeah. And, and if games I allow like, you to make stuff and all. Well, I really like... Uh, Peter world that I made in Tony Hawk 3 or something no, like I that, have, you know? I have an idea of how I'm going to tackle this list. How's that? Yeah. Like, I have a, I have an idea how I'm going to bring this up. Mm-hmm. So. But I, I just thought this one would be a fun <clears throat> one to do, so yeah. Yeah. Well, this brings us to the end of this episode. You coughed way more than I did. No, I know. I, so, it's bad. I just... Yeah. That's all good. We apologize at the top of the show. I will say this, though. Peter, this is episode 75. Wow. We are 25 away from episode 100. Pretty sure we're gonna get there, but I think just think that's I just think that's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So um, with that being said, please check us out on our website at top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. You will also find links to our email, top5report at gmail.com if you want to interact with the show or hit us up on social media. We are on Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, and iHeartRadio. Um, <coughs> if you subscribe to us, you will um, not miss a single episode, and you can leave us a review, which we love the reviews and we love the five stars, but we also uh, understand criticism So, because uh, that helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. 
Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be trying to get people to realize that they are actually NPCs. <laughs> we we all are in a weird way. Um, all right, so for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.